We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. I'm Ben. And tonight, we're looking at the Battlestar Galactica episode, The Long Patrol. And the synopsis goes something like this. The Galactica is finally leaving its home star system, passing through a cloud of asteroid dust and seeing, apparently for the first time, a whole new galaxy, which was presumably so obscured by asteroid dust that they never knew anything was out there. Uh, once they discover there is something else out there, they decide to build an army of robots known as cricket warriors to destroy everything. Now, wait, that's that's not the right story. But strange parallels, now that I think about it. Once they reach this whole new galaxy, they begin scanning for signs of life. Meanwhile, a Viper has been converted into a hyperspeed recon ship, and Lieutenant Starbuck has volunteered for the first recon mission. Why, you may ask? Because the luxury vessel, the Rising Star, has reopened its dining facilities, and the wait for a reservation is a yarn. As the volunteer for this dangerous mission, Star Starbuck gets to jump the line. He also hopes to jump Cassiopeia, as Athena has had to pull bridge duty that night. Adama grants Athena the night off, so she can surprise Starbuck at dinner, and boy is he surprised. As he attempts to juggle two women and keep them from finding out about each other, the Galactica discovers life signs and calls for an early launch of the recon probe. Starbuck gets a reprieve, but only just the two women discover each other after he leaves for patrol. To speed up Starbuck's ship, they've removed the lasers and installed called Cora, an AI flight system which stands for Computer Oral Response Activated, C-O-R-A. But seriously, wouldn't it be Oral Response Activated Computer or ORAC? Hmm. Cora is a wise-cracking female computer that is none too impressed with Starbucks flight skills and can outrun and outfly anything the Cylons have. Makes you wonder why they just didn't build a whole bunch of Cora-equipped fighters and wipe the Cylons out. Starbuck encounters a pair of ancient ships, a six-millennium fighter and freighter. The fighter is in pursuit of the unarmed freighter. Not liking an unarmed ship being fired upon, Starbuck maneuvers in and saves the freighter. When he follows him down, he finds a smuggler with a ship full of 500 yarn-old ambrosia. Realizing that he soon can be rich, Starbuck is quickly dispatched by the wily smuggler named Robber, and his ship is stolen. Robber, the smuggler, and now a privateer, walks into a bar. No, sorry, lost my train of thought. Robber now starts transmitting back to the colonies, a signal which is picked up by both the Galactica and the Cylons. The Cylons investigate, and the Galactica realizes that Starbuck must be dead, and sends Boomer and Apollo to destroy the Recon Viper, whoever has possession of it. Starbuck has even more problems. He launches off in Robber's ship, and is soon captured by the fighter he scared off earlier, which it turns out is the local authorities. He is soon imprisoned on a world that the prisoners are actually just the descendants of the original criminals from centuries ago. 
For hundreds of yarns, they have been making ambrosia for the colonies. Unknown to them, all contact with the colonies has lost centuries ago, and the ambrosia is just sitting on the docks. The deception is a convenient lie to maintain the status quo. Starbuck kicks over that apple barrel, and a prison revolt begins. Meanwhile, Apollo and Boomer have captured Robert and his family. They're simple, hard-working folk that just want to get back to Ireland, er, that colony of Ares. Unaware that the colonies are in Cylon hands. With their help, Apollo and Boomer go to the prison planet and retrieve Starbuck just as the Cylons arrive. They destroy them and welcome some of the prisoners back to the Galactic. Later, at dinner, Starbuck corrects Boxy's childlike drawing of Earth's solar system. It seems in the cell Starbuck was in, there was once occupied by the Silent One, a strange man who never spoke but just drew pictures on his cell wall. One of those pictures was Earth's solar system. Ooh. The Long Patrol, also the Long Synopsis. So, so what are your first uh, thoughts on this, uh, Ben? The Long Headache. <laughs> I have a section here that I'd just like to put out there all in one go at one point when we discuss some of the um, scientific issues in this episode. Yeah, the long stupidity. Um, wow. The, the long uh, idiocy. I mean, uh, I could just keep going and going, but yeah. I, I won't. Okay. Well, I'm just going to I'm gonna ask these questions so that we can throw them out there to start with. By the way, the credit train in this episode was seven faces long, just like last time. I, I was counting. Uh, yes. So what is up with space and time in this episode? So they, they're, they're finally just list leaving their star system, and but outside of it is a galaxy. I, it's a new galaxy. Galaxy, it's a new galaxy, the, so I think what they the meant was, and the terminology is all rubbish, I think they meant to say that they were leaving their own galaxy, finally. And ex- that no one's seen it except for the obvious colonials that have centuries ago already been there. Right. And so what is this asteroid dust? Is it is it impenetrable? Is it like is it like the galaxy expanding um, barrier in Star Trek that they should just be able to fly over? Or uh, I, I re- I'm I, I don't wow. I mean really seriously, this one hurts in all sorts of ways. I'm assuming that the dust cloud they're talking about they're really kind of trying to make a parallel to the Oort cloud. That's what I was thinking. But it's all dark, and when they pass to it they feel like it feels like whoa no one's seen these stars before what do they see what have they been seeing all along well <laughs> from not their to mention planets. the fact I mean, that just because they get even if they are exiting their own galaxy um I, i'm not sure exactly well I, I really wouldn't know what you'd see because then you'd be um an intergalactic inter- space space which would be a long way off yeah right i mean so, they make it look like they just entered into a brand new galaxy yeah well they're you know right next to each other with that little bit of dust in i guess I, Ah, this was this was really uh, bad. I'm not even. I yes, but I mean, I couldn't even understand what they were trying to get at. I mean, yes, you've made it. You've made an assumption here that sure, from context, I suppose they could have referred to one galaxy and the next. But I'm not even sure that they, I'm not even sure that a galaxy in their universe, and I mean the Battlestar Galactic of the TV universe, means the same thing as galaxy means here, and star system doesn't seem to mean the same thing as star. system system means here mm. and neither seems to be either thing that we understand because obviously they're not in the same damn star system they can't be we, we couldn't even figure out if all the colonies were in a single star system true right remember in the first episode we're like there was a lot, there i couldn't was figure conf- that out yeah could there really be 12 habitable planets in a single star system so what did they mean by that or or did they mean their star federation or you know their space that they owned or i, I boy 
boy, I just, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. And then, you know, the next thing is, is that we've scanned the first quadrant of the galaxy and there's no life. Mm. Now, they said quadrant of the galaxy. That means a quarter of the galaxy. galaxy. Yeah. Not a quarter of the space in front of them in whatever they consider their quadrants or something. I mean, it just, wow. Oh, it was, it was just, listen, And if it weren't bad enough, then there's time. Mm -hmm. In the first episode, they were approaching the seventh millennium of time. Right. The war has lasted a thousand yarns. Or a millennium. The prison ships were from the sixth millennium. But the fact is, they're from the sixth millennium because they haven't reached the seventh millennium of time yet. So when when Korra says, oh, they're from the sixth millennium, you're from the sixth millennium. I mean, okay, if I said it's from the 1950s or the 1224s or something, that would mean something. But the way she said it, it's like, that's like a previous millennium, but it's not. And then we've, we know the war lasted a yarn, so a thousand yarns. So let's say that the war has lasted the entirety of the sixth millennium okay okay we know that the prisoners have been there 700 yarns so they've been there most of the sixth millennium if okay. we're going for going on the assumption that yarn equals year which is the year. most which is it's a reasonable assumption yes reasonable assumption yes yes we're, we, we have to assume that they think a thousand yarns is a millennium otherwise we're even worse off so how is it that the maitre d on the rising star remembers what it was like before the war <laughs> facelifts <laughs> i think in one episode uh, adama says something to the effect of man can live you know a span of a hundred yarns or so mm. so i i don't think he's supposed to be a thousand yarns but it's almost like two different writers were writing this episode one was doing the 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 prison's planet story and they were using one set of numbers and probably and probably they were misremembering the pilot saying that where they said having just entered the seventh millennium of time, but they didn't. They said approaching the seventh. So, so they probably thought, well, six, seventh, you know, blah, blah, blah. okay. And, and so their numbers kind of work. 700 yarns, you know, in a long time. That's a lot of ambrosia. The ambrosia is 500 yarns. Of, okay, that kind of works. But then when you get on the rising star and the guy is just really all about the whole pre-war stuff, it's like, wow, it's just... It just, it's as if they are so disjointed and haphazard that you can't even try to make sense of what they're, of what they're saying. Mm -hmm. But it, but you know, I do appreciate that he appreciates Starbucks daring do. Mm. (laughs) Wink, wink, say no more, sir. Oh, oh God. What? Uh, no this this one just hurts it does it really does it 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 is and you know there's 12 minutes of the whole starbuck and the two women which clearly means they just didn't have enough plot well the other thing that kind of that perplexes me about this is uh didn't we see uh starbuck give athena a whole big spiel in the pilot that it just wasn't going to work between the two of them or athena says something like that back to him i thought those two were finished i thought i thought that uh, Athena had started off by kind of I hate to put this in the stereotype terms but yeah I think she told Starbuck she doesn't know what was going on and when Starbuck was trying to come on to her and you know everything's changed I need time and space and then I think she started going well I'm feeling flirty with Starbuck and that's when she saw Starbuck and Cassiopeia in the in the steam vent tubes and got jealousy and and but yeah I I don't understand I don't understand any of that Mm. you know I, I don't understand the dynamic I don't understand why anybody would choose Cassio 
Cassiopeia over Athena. Uh, I don't. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't understand why any one of them would choose Starbucks with a reputation like he's got. There's that too. There's definitely that. Starbucks is. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Um, well, I. You know, they're 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 being treated badly in terms of writing. They're they're being given the role of the the passive female ready to be chased by starbuck and and not real human beings with their own agency you know they're they're, they are ciphers uh, Mm. for him to conquest and great yet another bad representation of women but then again (laughs) it is it is this show that was filmed in the late 70s so i suppose that's supposed to be you know taken into consideration and all we have to do is go back to the phrase women viper pilots no way Ooh, they can't drive. Come on. They oh. undermine the authority. Um, you know, the funny thing is, I, I would I would swear that when I saw this before, I would swear that there was a scene. You remember the scene where, where Starbuck tells Athena, no, 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 don't get up. I want to remember you just yeah. like you are. Beautiful with the stars behind you. I'd swear he did that to Cassiopeia, too. I did, too. And yet it wasn't in the I didn't see it. version that I saw. No, I mean, and I saw the same version as you did. No, I didn't right. see it. The DVD, the, the original release DVD cut. I swear he did that. And I can't for the life and it, and it, it fits i mean it completely fits it with what be he's so doing appropriate. you know the same the same line the same maybe it's ripped from another movie and i just don't remember they were stealing or maybe it, just but, it yeah. made more sense in our brains that starbuck would say it to both of them mm. no that's certainly not true to that so um and of course they meet up and uh they find out that starbuck's been conning them and athena looks mad cassiopeia looks amused on that basis she's a better match for starbuck because she's got a let that water run off her back well she yeah used to be <laughs> well, uh, you know wink wink nudge nudge say her... no more before she became a med tech mm-hmm. so there is that <laughs> there, there, there is so because that so it's, it's, it. it's almost like a birds of a feather kind of thing true i think and i think athena is pretty straight laced let's put it that way mm, yeah well look at her family the adama family yeah <laughs> Ah, uh, so, uh, although that, you know, she tries to come together with her and tell her Cassiopeia about how Starbuck's probably dead, and that's the key piece that saves the dead. Didn't bother to put that in the thing because it was just the, the code stuff. It was like, whatever. And uh, <laughs> it's not the important stuff. The important stuff is that Starbuck's a complete idiot when it comes to money. And, um, or women. I, either, either one. Um, so, if they're sending Starbuck into a new galaxy, no one's seen. Mm-hmm. So they decide to put him in civvies so that people won't know he's a colonial warrior. Right. Wouldn't they not know he's a colonial warrior? Based on his ship? No, I mean, or based on the fact that no one's, they, no one's they've never been there before. Well, so why would true. they know? Why would they know there's a colonial war? So I, that was the other part. It's like, are we supposed to believe that no one's been there in a long, long time? And they, but they used to, and they know that they used to go there. Or is it just, uh, just stupid writing? Is what it is. It's just stupid freaking writing. So what'd you think of Korra? Oh, uh... Not as bad as I remembered. I seem to remember her, and maybe I'm actually thinking of a Buck Rogers episode, because I think the (laughs) same thing happened there, where she had... She was far more sassy. It would it would make more sense in a Buck Rogers episode because in Buck Rogers they have the ambiquads and the computer council like Dr. Theopolis. So the the AI AI technology is real and part of Buck Rogers universe. Mm-hmm. But we've been told by Apollo that the colonials don't do that because they're afraid of well they well they're what fight- happened to the Cylons. Well yeah they're yeah they don't want to fight you know you know AI versus AI of any kind of sort. Well they don't so- want to be taken over by the AI. Well That's no right. they don't. 
So it makes so, sense. I get that. Okay. But Cora is an absolute violation of that. She is not just... I mean, they, they didn't have to take the laser cannons to put Cora out. They just had to t- take the weapons out to put faster engines in. Engines, so they yes. Could put, they could put Cora in all Any their of vipers. Them. Yeah. And Cora can outfly all the pilots and doesn't even appear to need a pilot. And then, and, and then if you get Cora, you know, all the different uh, installations of Cora to be networked, then you would have a far more efficient flying team. And already she's more efficient than the Cylons. She is, which, because she was able to actually project at what point the Cylons were going to start firing. Well, and, and we've we've already been told repeatedly that the colonial... And we had this discussion. Is it, it may be sheer numbers. I don't know. But the colonials are vastly superior fighters. And this war appears to be fought entirely, for want of a better term, in the air. <laughs> Right? It seems to be all dogfight fighting. But the Colonials are vastly superior to the Cylons, and they've had a thousand years. Why haven't they beat them? Why haven't the Cylons adapted to get better? And how is it that the Colonials can just turn around overnight, on the run, and build Korra, who is vastly superior to everything on the battlefield? If they put her loose in a Viper, if they put Korra's in all their Vipers, their problems probably at this point couldn't be over because now they're down to, you know, what, 50 Vipers or something like that. But if they'd done that a hundred yarns ago, or fifty, or even even ten yarns ago, they should have been able to clean the Cylons' clocks. But yeah, but they can man- they can remanufacture and replenish their their fighting force far faster. We we think that, but we've not seen any evidence of that, and that's still a resource issue. I mean, yeah. where do the Cylons get their resources? I mean, you can fight a war of attrition with anybody, and the colonies didn't appear to be hurting for you know prosperity, even though they had a war. Everyone seemed pretty well off. So it wasn't like the colonies were down and out or on their on their deathbeds. So right. I, I'm really, I mean, obviously the writers just didn't bother to think about um, supplying the. <laughs> supplying the ships and the fleets or giving us any indication of what the Cylons can build well, out of. Well, and I'm going to jump back to my old know. argument that a lot of TV writers, especially for science fiction, did not think their audiences were that smart. Yeah, I think so. But I think, I'm not even sure that's the case here. I think this is just literally throw it out there and go. I mean, the, the stuff with the... Well, okay, so the stuff with the galaxies and the star system. The question is, did they throw it out there... How do I put this? Um, because they think we're stupid and I can just say anything I want. Or were they stupid or uninformed? Let's not use stupid. That's a loaded word. But let's say ignorant. Not that that's not a loaded word, right? Does does a writer mm. does a writer who assumes his audience is stupid write down to them incorrectly? It's not what I would no, do. If I thought I was no. writing to a bunch of kids, I still wouldn't say something that was wrong. I just might omit things uh, or phrase or them just be uninformed. Yeah. So I think it's just carelessness. It's just yeah. Man, I, it's a it's a lot galaxies. of yeah. I think I think there's there's some of that there is a lot of carelessness some of it is through being uninformed some of it is just thinking let's and you hit some of it and when you said you know let's just write stuff and see what sticks in the wall because maybe they think it sounds great. Now, I'm, I'm going to make reference to uh, an episode of a TV show that I just finished mainlining. It's 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 off the air now, but it's Stargate SG-1. And there mm. was an episode where they actually lampooned this kind of thing, where they made fun of 
the bad sci-fi writing in a rather meta sort of way. And uh, they're talking to this this one uh, writer slash producer slash creator creator, and he talks about um, you know exploding a black hole or something like that. And th- this this one woman who's a physicist, she says exploding a black hole, and he nods his head with a smile and he says, "Isn't that awesome?" And she says, "That's scientifically unsound." And he says, "No, but it sounds great." Yeah, yeah. See, but now in that case, that guy. Granted, that, like that was satire. Knows. Yeah, and but that also that, that like was he satirical. Knew so, that he was wrong. Yeah, he did. But again, it is it's is satire, and of course, right? You're going to take that to the extreme. So I think in reality, it's not quite to that degree. But I think there is some semblance of truth there, and I think we're clearly seeing it here. We're seeing it in a lot of the shows that we've been talking about, which unfortunately makes me want to slip my throat and stand on my head. <laughs> Yeah, we are we are doing two uh, two completely non scientific shows at this point in our in our run series two space nineteen ninety nine and now Galactica <laughs> they are not not on the uh, not no on the accuracy and, and, gauge very high no no they're not and you go back a little further to some other things you know like Man from Atlantis you know <sighs> things like that so it's no wonder that um I, t- I I I get a little tired of always having to you know watch something and then smack myself in the head when I hear something completely utter rubbish like uh, oh the vap the viper actually exceeded the speed of light yes i have that one the oh vipers my exceed God. the speed of light i was going to ask that question is it just cora's viper or is it all of them because i think they mean all of them it's just cora's uh, much faster it's it just cora's hmm. which i think is unusual because i know that the there's an episode coming up pretty soon where we do learn that the galactica can reach up to light speed it would make sense that the fighters can travel a lot faster than galactica remember it's quote-unquote carrier versus jet fighters so Mm, but there have been many episodes where if they go out too far and maybe maybe it's a fuel issue i think it's a fuel but but i I did also hear um well i i did hear starbuck really complained in the pilot and granted his viper was shot up but he did complain about how irritating it was to see the galactica fly off like that so Mm -hmm. it's it's hard to say i mean i i have a hard time believing that a viper can is capable of light speed then again if you go to star wars which and i still say you know battlestar galactica you know forget forget the heart of the theology of the show you know it's it's star wars for tv you know the x fighters and y fighters can do light speed so shoot why not why not the vipers yeah i i think there's i think it was supposed to be i think this is just the only explicit time they ever mentioned going to and when you consider when you consider that it didn't take that long for apollo and boomer to catch up up, right, and if that thing was really cruising at light speed, they would have to, you know, you know, going way past light speed. Then I would think that their vipers have to at least be able to, uh, you know, achieve light speed. Otherwise, they would have never caught up with Starbuck uh, at all. Yeah. So yeah, you have to. You have to ask, start asking questions like, if they were traveling faster than light, mm. are they doing their dog fights at those speeds? You know, when they hit the turbo boost and stuff? <laughs> it's so raw. I mean, at least in Star wow. Wars. At least well, in Star Wars, they use oh, their, hyperspace. Their, their fighting was all... Su- they used hyperspace, exactly. Their fighting was on sublight. Um, yeah. And then don't even get me started the fact that, uh, you know, uh, jet fuel engines can actually propel a ship past light speed. It's like okay yeah. let's discuss the the physics behind that one and how about this one <clears throat> so she does that uh full g burn thing that puts starbuck unconscious right she definitely exceeded light speed on that 
that moment. So does that mean that somehow when you're inside a Viper, you're not squished like jelly? You know, I mean, obviously oh, he's pulling right. G's. Well, he's pulling he's, G's for well, something, but... Well, it's not just wow. that, but even if you're to accelerate to light speed or super light speed, you know, hyper light speeds, in that short amount of time, you'd still be squished to jelly. So there must be something... I mean, we... There's got to be some kind of inertia... Di- Go ahead. Pressure suits. Yeah. Remember, they did show the... Because once they got the female pilots, they had to show them being in pressure suits. Um, to So you wouldn't be squished. So it's obviously something to do with that, or that wouldn't be helping his head. Um... <laughs> <laughs> hmm. yeah, my body's fine, but my head's been squished in the back of this thing like like jelly on a. I, oh, 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 it hurts. Oh, it hurts. Okay, let me see if I have anything else on Cora. And oh, so to our question again, really didn't see much of the Cylons in this episode. So not we can't a lot. Ask the question of do the Cylons have emotions? Does Cora have emotions? <sighs> it's a great like question. <laughs> A little bit? like it, honey. A little bit? Oh, Starbucks. Yeah, honey. (laughs) Where's Starbucks? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but again, she didn't get near as sassy as I thought or as I remembered her getting. And I'm pretty sure Korra's gone forever. I don't think we ever see Korra again, which doesn't make a lot of sense. Well, if she proves to be successful, yeah, if it's a success, why do you you want to do that? Yeah. So, I... It's because it's illegal in the colonial world to have AI and they just they, and yet know, they're going like to do it anyway. Pro- this is a black ops project or something. Oh, was that it? You know, I don't. <laughs> I don't know. I know. It's a stupid, it's a stupid ops mission. Yes. Yeah. Okay. So, um, also how does she operate the physical switches? Did you see that? (sighs) Yeah, they flipped. I saw that too. Like, "Mm." I mean, it'd be different if it was like buttons or something, but, or, or maybe. She operated them same way that she's got her limited, uh, emotions. Yeah. Same thing. Okay. Okay, Fair enough. Yeah. It's called Plutonia. Mm. Okay. Are we willing to accept that? No. No. (laughs) No. It doesn't matter what it is. I'm not willing to accept it. We're not willing to accept it in this episode. Nope, not, not happening. Nope. That once Starbuck is confronted with a freighter full of 500-year-old Ambrasia, we're back to the same thing he was doing on Carillon. Hey, I gotta line these girls up. I'm gonna get rich. Have you forgotten you're living in a tin can on the run from total destruction? Well, he's probably banking on the fact that he doesn't care. All he thinks about is just his next big score, whether it's money or women. We're gonna be rich. And then he he gets stupid, right? I mean, he he was doing okay, pretty much up to the point where he found the Ambrosia. And then and he started like, oh, I'm trusting this guy because he's like, yeah, and then thonk. And even then when he gets back to the prison in this all loading dock, he's still on with the money. You know, what was Boomer's line? I don't believe, what was it? I don't believe it. Uh, I give up. That was it. It was I give up. When he shows up in Apollo and Boom, uh, Starbucks says, one of these guys, Apollo, Boomer, Starbucks. Uh, Starbucks goes, look at all the ambrosia. It's like, Boomer, I give up. I give up. <laughs> How can you do that? <clears throat> so Boomer's supposed to be the voice of reason or in this case, the voice of the audience that's all shaking their heads thinking, really? I really think Boomer is supposed to be the voice of reason on Battlestar Galactica. I I I really like the character of Boomer. I don't think he was utilized well enough, but he just is like I'd much rather have him on my patrol than I would Starbuck. Mm. Maybe Apollo would be okay cuz he seems like a pretty stand-up guy, but Boomer Oh, he's very seems... Oh, but he's too but even even Apollo is way too stiff. It's like, you know, you you you've got with Apollo and Starbuck the two extremes and reality, that's Boomer. He's right in the middle. 
maybe that's it. Maybe maybe he's not. I mean, he's not exactly written as a well-rounded character, but at least he's he comes off pretty solid. Okay. Yeah. The the um the Aryans or the Protean prisoners, or in this case, robber. Um, has a pretty darn thick Irish accent. Yeah, boy, are we gonna be playing with that kind of thing again here now? Just just like the old West last time, they're just. Playing with stereotypes. Isn't, there just isn't any way to, to come out and say, is that supposed to be the Aryan accent? Oh, 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 oh. Aries oh, as in, you know, Aries, not Aryan as in ah. World War II. But I mean, the planet Aries. That's the planet he was, the colony he was trying to contact, trying to get back to Aries. Hmm. And he, he didn't. But here is the thing. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know how many people that you've encountered in this way over the years. Uh, my wife has an accent. Um, my kids do not. Or they don't have her accent. We could argue that maybe I have an accent, but the fact is, I, you know, people who live in Arizona do not have accents. It's the rest of the world. But but I'm not that's his that maybe. One, but be yeah, that that's as his it maybe. May. But the point is, the accent doesn't come from your parents; it comes from your surroundings. Correct. When you grow up. So, and I've got uh, one of my friends, uh, one of my son's friends. Both his parents are British. He has no British accent whatsoever. But they they're quite strong. I mean, just because he's grown up here in the United States, it's it's what happens to well, you. Well, my my mother is from South America. And she has, and, and I was raised by her, and she has an extremely strong accent. I don't have hers. There you I, go. I, 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 if, if, if there's such a thing as a Californian accent, then that's what I have. Then how the heck does Robert have an accent if he's descended from centuries away and no one else in that prison has an accent? Uh, there were how a few people have that an did. I heard a well, little bit of an accent. How do any of them have an accent? I heard accents. I did. With the well, prisoners. I did hear some, yeah, but, but nothing it, like... not as pronounced as his, though. Wouldn't they? They all have a sort of patois <laughs> that they formed of their own over time, over 700 yarns. They just wouldn't have been able to hold on to their regional dialects like that. Oh, I, no, no. I it would no. it. it, It'd be, well, just be a, a hodgepodge. They should all it, have it the same been, accent. They should all have the same accent. Um, I wouldn't even be surprised if after all that time, even the dialect will have changed because it would have been so entirely insular. Absolutely. That it, you know, because like there's, um, I, I, I know that somewhere in the highlands of scotland there's this little village you know and they just don't uh associate with anybody else and that dialect is like unrecognizable by people who live in you know any of the major cities i mean even you know uh, i was talking to somebody uh, who was from um edinburgh about that mm-hmm. and, and he heard some of that and i said did you could you understand any of that and he shook his head and said nope didn't get one bit of it no. so i think it'll be the same thing here that if mm-hmm. this is indeed you know some sort of a descendant of you know the, the equivalent of an irish Irish uh, population um, living uh, in this prison, you know, generation after generation after generation. Uh, what we would be getting would be something that should be completely unrecognizable by our ears. But then again, of course, this is for primetime TV, so we can't have that. Yeah. Well, okay. So I'm just going to, uh, I'll go there. The um, the TV series, The Expanse, um, they have not been able to do some of the things that the book, that the books go into. The books are talking about the, the people who have lived their lives for centuries in the belt, in the asteroid belt, the, 
belters, the outer planets people, physically are different. They're taller, they're skinnier, their bones are fragile, their heads are bigger. I mean, these are these are Well, that's a physiological thing due but to their environment. Right, and they can't do that on the TV show because it's impractical to hire actors that look like seven-foot-tall basketball players that are skinny. But, you know, but, but what they have also have in the book, and in, they do in the TV series, is that they speak a dialect that is just weird as heck. It's sort of, it's, I, I don't know, I, if I put it in maybe islands or something, it's it's not a particularly identifiable accent. It's it's weird. It has lots and lots of words from all sorts of different languages. You mm-hmm. know, you get Spanish, you get Chinese, you get, you get stuff that they're just talking. It, it's a true dialect, and they've tried to achieve that, and sometimes you're listening to it, you just have to take the word they say, and after it's been said 30 times in context, you go, oh, okay, I get what he's going at, but 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 you can't. So, I mean, it's a it's a more realistic, I think. <laughs> it's like a linguist mm-hmm. might argue with me, but I mean, it's, it's a, a, a more uh, thought-out approach to how generations of time and isolation would, and immigration, and, you know, would impact a, a group of people. I'm also amused that the Martians speak with Texas accents, but that's just another story, even though they're all Indians. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, back to Battlestar Galactica and their terrible Irish accents, um, um, which is just, I think it's just bad. I think I think we can safely say it's just a bad thing and they should do it. And I hope they don't do it again. I, I th- would hope they don't do it again, but I am not holding my breath on that. Don't hold your breath. Don't hold your breath. But they did have daylight on one of the planets. Oh, hallelujah. I thought yeah, we were I was all at, night I, planets again. I thought too. I thought, yeah, and I was actually expecting because it was dark, and I thought, oh, we're we're going to be visiting another all night planet. Isn't that special? But we got that one scene where out in the outside was daylight. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Well, they haven't lost all sanity yet. All right, I don't know that I have. Uh, anything else? Um, I don't think I do either. My big, big issues were uh, Starbuck juggling the two women and um, the the whole light speed rubbish. Yeah, that was my bi- that was, was my big stuff. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> Is, is this the first time we've heard the term pogies in this series? You know, I was wondering about that. I heard that because I, I watched this last night. And as I heard that, I thought, have, have I heard this before? I don't remember hearing it. So I'm going to go on a limb and say, yeah, this is the first time we've heard pogies. Okay. I don't remember it. Yeah, I mean, I remember using it in the series in in other places. But in this watch through, I, I don't remember. We've had frack and felger carb. And, um, and then this is the first example of pogies, which I assume... Mm-hmm. Is a variation of Felger Carp. <laughs> I guess. Because it would make perfect sense to say I've scared the Felger Carb out of them based on what we think Felger Carb is. Mm. So it depends on whether Felger is a bull or Carb is a bull. And then the other mm. word is, uh, you know, little thing. So maybe, oh, maybe that's the difference. Maybe there is, there is a difference between Felger Carb, i.e. BS type material and pogies a thing you do for a number two <laughs> right <laughs> um i mean leave they, that one right there i'm glad they <laughs> given our given our discussion just a few minutes ago it just occurs to me how stupid this is so battlestar galactica has in fact actually attempted to create their own dialect oh my god <laughs> Which and uh, oh frack pogies <laughs> ah oh well <laughs> well C minus for effort yeah I guess 
I know, Irish. <laughs> let's make them sound Irish. Oh, no, oh, let's look at make all the fark so- we've got here. Let's let's make them sound like Americans doing fake Irish accents. That's what <laughs> we want there. That's what <laughs> we want with all the felga carp. <laughs> <laughs> all what right, the frack well, do you I, think you're doing? Okay, that's I it. You think, know, yeah. Send your hate I think mail we can too. Leave, I think we can leave that one. Um, <laughs> I think we can leave that one be for now. Please. Um, what? Do you know what the next episode is? Uh, Ice Planet uh, or, or uh, Gun, Gun on, Planet Zero. Ice Planet Gun Zero. Gun Ice Planet Zero. That's Two parter. Uh, Two parter. Okay. Well, we'll keep, uh, listeners, we'll do both parts. And if yeah, it's not I'm gonna already nice dreading that one because that was one that I hated. That one had Roy Thinnis in it, as I recall. Um, maybe, Star but I remember Vegas. I hated it because I've never been a fan of the oh, let's get the prisoners to help things out. Yeah, and that's uh, another ripoff of another movie too. It is. I can't remember what movie it is right off the top of my head, but we'll. I'll oh, but we'll talk about it next time. Absolutely, Ben. Thank you for joining me for this. Oh, I. Long I wish I could say this was a pleasure, but I, I'm not going to. <laughs> Listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. Poggy. Fusion Patrol is a Lone Locust production. Like us, please consider becoming our sponsor at Patreon.com/slash/FusionPatrol. We'd really appreciate it if you could leave us a review on iTunes. Stop by and visit us at our website, FusionPatrol.com. Search for us on Facebook under Fusion Patrol. Check out our Twitter handle, at Fusion Patrol. Or just send us an email at feedback at FusionPatrol.com. Please come join the conversation. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf.